Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hello church, a very good morning and it is a joy to come together once again today to worship him, to seek his face, desire to become like him and listen to his powerful word. I believe his word is powerful to transform our lives and to transform the lives of people out there in the world. Last week we heard about running in such a way that we can get the prize. Today I want to look at a scripture from the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 till 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 till 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I want to focus today on this part of the scripture called set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind. God wants us to have a lifestyle that has a mind which is set on things above and not on the things below. To set our things above, to set our things, our mind on the things above, we really never know what it is to walk in a, in a way that our mind is set on things above unless we walk with the one who is from above. When we walk with the one who is from above, Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the Son of God, the living Savior, the King of glory, when we walk with Him, we begin to understand about the things that are above. Jesus said, I speak to you about the Father because I have come from the Father. He spoke with great confidence. And then subsequently, after his resurrection, he spent 40 days talking to the disciples about the kingdom of heaven. He spoke to them about the things above because he knew that he came from above. He was going back above. And so in the meantime, there was no one like him who could tell his disciples about the things that are above. So who we walk with, who we spend our life with, and we begin to develop their mindset because we begin to imbibe the mindset or the lifestyles that they have lived, they have seen. If they're people of fear, if you've grown up in a home that has a lot of fear, you probably develop a, a mindset of fear. First Corinthians 2.16 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Do you know God desires for you and me that we would have the mind of Christ? Just imagine what a wonderful life that would be. Every day when we think, we're thinking the mind of Christ. When we speak, we're speaking the mind of Christ. When we are walking and talking and living, every decision that we're taking is so based upon the mind of Christ. What an amazing life that would be. If you live that kind of a life, everywhere you go, it would be Jesus going to those places through you. Every time you speak, it'll be Jesus speaking to people through you. Because only the one that is in you begins to mold who you are so that you can live like that. God wants you to have heaven's mind, heaven's heart, and heaven's life. To become heaven's voice, heaven's choice. To do heaven's will. This is God's desire for you. 
That your, your voice will become heaven's voice. That you would be heaven's choice to do the will of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? That God would want to trust you. And the only way God can trust you and me with that is if we have the mind of Christ. Only if we have the mind of Christ will we be able to become the voice of God. Then how do we get the mind of Christ? For this we need to develop heaven's mindset. And for Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is, is forcefully advancing. And the, and the forceful men, they take it hold by force, which means the kingdom of God is passionately going forward. And there are some people who passionately want to take a hold of it. If you and I want the mind of heaven, if we want heaven's mind style, mindset and heaven's lifestyle, you and I must passionately go after it. We must passionately desire it. That's what Matthew's Gospel eleven twelve said about the kingdom of God. That people are beginning to passionately go about it. The people who, who went after it and grabbed it and took a hold of this heaven's lifestyle are the ones who are advancing it. Think about all the, the missionaries in different places. Those that are living the life of Christ. You know, telling the sayings, the things about Christ. They are doing it not because they were not drawn or attracted to other things. They are doing it because their hearts were drawn to the things of the kingdom of God. Though on earth, they chose to have heaven's mindset. And maybe you are also somebody who's living on earth and really saying, God, I really want to have heaven's mindset. I really want to have the mind of Christ. Having heaven's mindset is so important for us to advance the kingdom of God. Not just for the kingdom of God, also for our family, for your children. It's so important that you have the thoughts of heaven. You walk in the ways of heaven. You begin to speak the words of heaven. You hear the voice of heaven. So that when your children come and ask you, Daddy, Mommy, when they ask you, what is the will of God concerning that thing? You can tell them, let me pray and come back to you. And you will hear from heaven and you will go and tell them, this is what I heard heaven speak and heaven say. You know, many husbands of the homes, they say, I'm the head of this home. And that is my position. I have the final decision. But do you know, as the head of the home, your actual position is representing Jesus Christ in the home. How is it that we can be the head of the home and not be speaking the voice of heaven? So it's so important for a pastor, for a father of the home, for the leader of any home, for the mother of any home, to be hearing the voice of God continually on a daily basis. How is this possible? It is possible if you and I, we walk with God. So God wants us to be heavenly minded. That's what the Bible says. Finally, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. God is beginning to say, if you if you can think about Something I want you to think about praiseworthy things. Things which are admirable, noble, trustworthy, true. Things that are excellent. Things that are, that, that are, you know, going to represent God. If anything is praiseworthy, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen, put it into practice and the God of peace is with you. God wants us to apply our hearts, apply our minds to the things of God. Because Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says, The mind that is set on the flesh is death. 
But the mind which is set on the spirit is both life and it is peace. Isn't that amazing? That it is the mind. Not Now the Bible does not say the spirit of man that has got born again has life and peace. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says for the spirit of man to have life and peace, there is a setting of the mind on the will of God, on the things of God. There's a setting of the mind, not on the desires of the flesh, plans of the flesh, hopes of the flesh, the constitution of the flesh, the ways of the flesh. But there is a setting of the mind on the things of the spirit, the words of the spirit, the ways of the spirit, the life of the spirit, the constitution of the Holy Spirit. There is a setting of the mind. Hallelujah. And this is why in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, set your mind on things about people of God, I urge you. I'm encouraging us as a family today. Set your mind. Church of the living God, set your mind. Imagine how powerful it would be if we as a whole church, we would set our mind on the things of heaven. So what does a heavenly mind do, does do for us? What is the power of a heavenly mind? One of the first things that the heavenly mind has is a heavenly mind has a life free of anxiety. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, we just saw that the mind led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, governed by the Spirit. A mind governed by the flesh is death, but a mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. One of the first things we have by a Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled, Spirit-mind is that we will have the peace of God in our life. So many people all around the world, they have no peace. And I want you to know, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking for, if you're looking for freedom from your anxiety, I want you to know Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When his life comes to you, he says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. God wants to give his peace. God wants to give his life to you. And if you're looking for peace and you're looking for life, you come to Jesus and he will give you the mind of Christ. He will train you to think the way as Christ is thinking. The second thing the Bible says, that when we have the mind of Christ, when we are heavenly minded, we are able to do the will of God. Many people say, God, if it's your will, when we pray, they say, God, if it's your will. But hey, how wonderful, how amazing it would be. Don't you think it would be amazing if you can always do the will of God? Romans in chapter 8 verse 27 says, And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows our heart, searches our spirit. And when we are praying in the Holy Spirit, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, the Bible says He helps us pray according to the will of God. Isn't that amazing? Do you know it is possible for you? Every prayer you make, you can pray according to the will of God. You don't have to say if it's your will. You can just begin praying in the Holy Spirit. And you know that that prayer will be according to the Spirit of God. When you have heavenly minded, your prayers become word prayers that are led by the word according to the word of God. When you are heavenly minded, thirdly, you desire to live for Christ. Your every moment of your life will be, Lord, how can I live for you? Because your mind is set on that. How can I live for you? How can I walk with you, Lord? How can I, how can I love like you? 
The person that has, is heavenly minded, his heart is set not only on Christ, is also set on the body of Christ. His life is primarily revolving around the, the reached, which is the family of God, and the unreached, who God wants to reach out with the gospel. These two things become his primary external preoccupations. In his heart, in his own relationship with God, that is his internal preoccupation. But his external preoccupation becomes, how can I bring glory to God by bringing others to the love of Jesus Christ? And how can I be a blessing in the household of faith by serving the Lord with all my heart? So they live for Christ and they live for the body of Christ. We not only live for Christ, we live like Christ. We begin to say, the heavenly mind says, no, I cannot do the things my flesh did before. I cannot speak the words my flesh spoke before. I cannot behave with others the way I used to do before. Because now I have heaven's mind in my mind. Set your mind on the things of heaven, the Bible says. God wants you to be heavenly minded. Having the mind of heaven. Understanding the will of God. The Bible says, knowing what the will of God is. God wants you to live knowing what the will of God is. He doesn't want you to live a confused life, a lost life. He wants you to live knowing what the will of God is. You Where you want to walk according to the way Jesus walked. Jesus said, I have come. To do the will of my father. He knew what the will of God. His entire life was that. Everything about him was selfless love. When you have the mind of Christ. You not only want to live like Christ. Your one reason to live. Will be to live. That you can be with Christ. A person that is heavenly minded. His entire mind is set. On eternity. The reason from the day he gets born again. Till the day he lays his life down to go back to be with the father. His entire life is set on eternity. Everything he does. Heavenly mind wants to live for eternity. Wants to walk with eternity. Wants to talk for eternity. Wants to represent eternity. Wants to represent the kingdom of God. Everything about his life is about an eternal mindset. Knowing that his values, he, he, he doesn't think about treasures on earth as much. He begins to say, I want to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Most people around the world, they want to store for themselves treasures here on earth, which is here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus is saying, I want you to store for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot touch. God wants us to pursue this heavenly mindset. From the day we are born again, one of the things God wants us to do is that he wants to know us to know Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, the Bible talks about that. Verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Paul begins to say, I want to know Christ. There was a deep desire in his heart. Paul's heart was all about, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ, which means he was saying, I want to know that mind. What's on his mind? What's his desire? What is he thinking about? You know, when you're in love with somebody, there's a great longing on your heart that you want to know what is on their mind. You know, between married couples, when they love one another and they're together, and maybe there's a period of silence when they're just sitting together, and maybe one person is thinking, and the other one looks to the other spouse and says, what are you thinking? Because the spouse cares about the other one. And so because of care, they want to know what the other one is thinking. There is something about wanting to know the mind of the one you love. If you love Jesus, you want to know his mind. 
No, if you love Jesus, you don't want to dance with the world. You don't want to live with the devil. You want to know the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 15 verse 6 says, So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly the body of Christ becomes all about becoming one mind, one body, one person, with one purpose, one voice glorifying God. First Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, that there will be no divisions among you, but you will be perfect in unity in mind and in thought. Perfect unity. Bible is saying that Paul is saying, hey church leaders, I want you to know that a time is coming where you can be in such perfect unity in one mind, in one, in one thought because of the, of the unity that we have in Christ. You know, many people when they relate to one another, they do not understand what it means to walk in the mind of Christ. To walk in the mind of Christ, oftentimes people think means to be at peace with each other. To walk with the mind of Christ is not to live in peace with each other. That is a lower form of being in the mind of Christ. Just just attempting to be at peace. Many marriages, they say, oh, all I want is peace. Many homes, brothers, sisters, friends, they say, oh, all I want is peace. I just want some peace. This man or this woman is really difficult. I just want some peace. Some people say, I want to get out of this marriage. Why? I want, I want peace. But I want you to know the goal of God in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships is not peace. The goal of God, the mind of Christ raises the bar and says, my desire is not peace. My desire is that you become one. Do you know it is possible for us to become so one? Many times we hide our thoughts. We're not able to share our thoughts with others. Maybe we have a disagreement with someone we care about. We can't share our thoughts with them. Why? There's fear in that relationship. There's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of, fear of being, uh, you know, disapproved or fear of hearing no. And when that happens to your life, I want you to know that is not walking in the mind of Christ. That is walking lesser than what God has. Of course, there are certain circumstances you have to keep quiet because you know if you say anything, it can cause strife. Maybe the other person is someone who cannot handle the strife. But what if you can speak, but you're afraid of disagreements? And I want you to know, John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 22, Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. God's desire for every child of God, every believer, is that we become one as Christ is one. You know, many times people want, all they want is peace, but that's not what God wants. God wants that you be one. And this is what the Bible says in Genesis in chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. When they were building the Tower of Babel, God came, looked down from heaven. And the Bible says they spoke, the God had spoke within one another. And they said, if a man, they have one language, they speak with one voice and they have one language, nothing is impossible for them. You know what that means? If there is such unity, one language, one word, one mind, one thing, one way you stand together, nothing you plan will be impossible. If you are one church, nothing that the enemy plans can touch the church. If you are one family, nothing the devil wants to do to your family can touch your family. If you are one group of people that love Jesus, nothing the enemy plans can touch it because you will have heaven's mind. Heaven's mind not only wants peace, heaven's mind wants unity. 
This mind of Christ is so important. That is why God knew if they stand together as one, nothing is impossible for them. God understands that everything begins from the spirit to the mind. But demonic spirits also know that if they begin to come and and trouble the spirit of man, the way to get inside his spirit and control him is by first getting into his mind. That is why Satan in the book of Genesis and chapter 3, Satan goes to him, uh, goes to Adam and Eve and says, he begins to speak to his mind, their mind, and begins to speak into their mind and tell, did God really say? Did God really say? Because Satan knows that this is the beginning. This is where the whole battle begins. God wants you to guard your heart and guard your mind. And that is why Satan wants to deceive people in their mind realm. Romans 16, 18 says, For such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetite by smooth talk and flattery that deceive the minds of people. Satan wants to get inside your mind or people's mind or my mind, and he wants to deceive us. If he deceives us, he's got us. That is what 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. So I want you to know today, Satan is also targeting the mind. God, through the Holy Spirit, is also targeting the mind. Whose mind do you want to have? Do you want to have the mind of Christ or do you want to have the mind submitted to demonic hosts? Whoever you submit your mind to, they have got the rest of your life. Until you repent and turn around and submit that mind back to Jesus Christ all over again. Now the battle with Satan for a believer is in two realms. The first realm is in the heavenlies, in, in the spiritual warfare that goes on in the heavenly places. Now many people are familiar with that realm of battle. But the second realm of battle for Satan with a believer is in the mind realm. Satan knows if he can get your mind, he's got you and me. And I think that's very, very powerful for us to know if that is the entry point into our lives, then that is the place where we need to guard with all our heart. Who and what feeds our mind is going to be very important for what our destiny is going to end like. One of the first things that can feed our mind is our own imaginations. We can let our imaginations run wild. Many people dream just, you know, they, they don't, they just don't have any grip over what they're thinking. Or they just go wild with what they're thinking. They blame others. Or maybe people can feel uh, entitled or complain that it's because of others I am where I am. But I want you to know who rules my mind begins to rule me. If my imaginations begin to rule my mind, Fears and thoughts that come into through my imagination begin to control my actions. And everything I do becomes dependent on what my imaginations are asking me to believe. What are you believing? What are your thoughts doing in your life? How are you allowing your thoughts to run your life? Are you feeling self-pity? Are you feeling uh, that nobody cares about you? I want you to know Jesus says that he cares for you. But yet we can allow our thoughts to rule our life. Sometimes our friends, our family, our closest circles, people who know that they have influence over us, they begin to feed our minds with their belief systems. Do you allow them to influence your mind against the word of God? Sometimes our minds are influenced by what we read or influenced by what we watch. Some people just spend so much of their time 
watching television or watching the computer, watching movies or, or playing games that are ungodly, doing stuff that can influence their mind. And when instead of giving that time to be training zone for our mind, where that, that time which we could use in a powerful way for our mind, we rather, we oftentimes have chosen to spend it on things that are unfruitful. And thereby we end up with a doubtful mind, with a fearful mind. Some people end up with an anxious mind. Some others with a carnal mind because their minds are always thinking about carnality. Some people end up with a forgetful mind. Some others with a hardened mind. They won't allow the word of God to come inside. Some with a careless mind. Some with a lustful mind. All dependent on who you're loving to feed you. Who is feeding you is very important to determine where you and I are going to end up with our lives. God wants us to watch over our mind. Paul, the apostle, he said the way a man thinks is an indicator of his salvation, if he's genuinely saved, whether he's born again. It's also an indication of how he's going to be fruitful or not. Many people desire to do the will of God, but they're unable to be fruitful because they are not able to make choices that will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 5 and 6 says that according, that, the, that we, we submit our minds according to the spirit or according to the word. And we need to be careful what we are setting our mind on. So a carnal person is often so consumed by his carnal desires. And everything he prays for is also that God would answer his carnal desire. That God, would you give me this job? And he would say, it's for your glory, but it's actually for his glory. Father, would you give me this toy or this car or this this house or, or this, that, that man to be my husband or that woman to be my wife. Uh, and, and this such a person, what he begins to do is that he has carnal thoughts and he can wrap it up in a godly prayer, in a godly sounding prayer, really. And so oftentimes we forget that we ask our desires and it becomes selfish ambition. It becomes carnal desires. That's what James 4.3 says. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. That you want to spend it on your own pleasure. However, when somebody is born again, truly, when we turn to Jesus Christ, or we begin to live a spirit-filled life, our whole desire begins to circle around doing the will of God. We begin to pray our, our, our preoccupation. Everything our mind is set on begins to be about what is the spirit saying? Where is the spirit moving? What is the spirit trying to do in the world? What is the Spirit trying to speak to my heart? And for the Holy Spirit to work, our mind is so important. It really tells us how our mind responds to what the Spirit of God is saying, how we give time to listen to the Holy Spirit, how we give time to give attention to the guidance or the leading or the instruction or the rebuke, the chastisement of the Holy Spirit will also determine where our mind really is or how our mind is is how righteous our mind is or how much we have submitted our mind to do the things of God. Many times, people take one of five positions, really. The first position where people take is their mind is stayed on Christ. And yet, their their flesh, they're struggling with God. And this is one group of people, Romans 7. Apostle Paul said, the things I do not want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I do not do. Who will deliver me from this body of sin? But thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. You see, there's one group of people 
whose mind is really set on Christ. They love Jesus. But now where they are in life, some point of their life, they're battling with some aspect. They want to walk in victory, but they've not come to a place where they're able to walk in victory. So that's one group of people. They're battling to be able, they're unable to walk in victory. Yeah, and Paul says in, in, in Romans 7, 25, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus my Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. So that's why he says the, in, in Romans 8, he doesn't stop that. He goes on to say, but you know, but the Holy Spirit, the new law is coming, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets me free from the law of sin and death. But yet there are genuinely some people whose mind is set on the, on the mind of Christ, but yet their mind is in agreement with the law of God, but they're not able to live a victorious life. Second group of people, their mind is set on the world. But their words are those of Christ. Those are people that are living a hypocritical life. Their mind is in the world. Their heart is in the world. They long for the things of the world. You know, when they, when they pray for a spouse, they're not praying for somebody who can spur to walk them to walk with Jesus. They're praying for somebody maybe who they're really, really attracted to. And it really doesn't matter if the spouse loves Jesus or not, as long as the person is attractive or smart or rich. Or, or, you know, something like that. Now, that is to to claim to love Jesus and yet live a hypocritical life. Where our words and deeds don't go with each other. That's why the Bible says, can can salt water and fresh water come out of the same spring? Can cursing and blessing come out of the same mouth? That's a hypocritical life. God says that there are some groups of people, their mind is in the world, but their words are of Christ. There's a third group of people, their mind is stayed on, not stayed on Christ. And their hearts are totally, their desires are in the world. The Bible says that they're, they're totally pushing themselves to live in the world. Second Timothy 4.10 says, For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You see, there was a deserting of the faith. Paul's heart was broken when he was talking about Demas. At one time, Demas loved God. But now Demas has come to a place where he began to love the world more than he loves Christ. And he openly desired the world. And he deserted Christ. There are many people, you and I probably know, who have deserted Christ. God is calling us to come back to a place of walking with God. If you are in that place, God is calling on your heart. Turn away from hypocrisy. Turn away from deserting Christ. And begin to walk with God. There's a fourth group of people whose minds are against Christ. Philippians 3.18 says, For as I've often told you before and now tell you again with tears, many live as the enemies of the cross. They're just against Christ. But then there are those groups of people whose mind is set on Christ. Thoughts and decisions, their life and everything about them is set on Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you. I want to say, I want to tell you, set your mind on the Lord. If you set your mind, set your mind on the Lord. If you set your mind on the Lord, you know that your life will be a a powerful life. Not only should you set your mind on the Lord, set your mind on your call, knowing that God has called you, that God has called you to be fruitful. God has called you to be, you know, live a faithful and fruitful and alert life like we saw a few weeks ago. God, set your mind on your call because only you can do what God has called you to do. And also set your mind on the fact that the time is short. Paul says this light and momentary suffering is nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed. Can you just imagine? Paul called it light and momentary suffering. The time is short. 
God wants you to know if the time is short, run in such a way that you can win your prize. Set your mind on the prize. We heard last week how, how we need to run in such a way that our mind is set on the prize, that we will depend we will depend on Jesus Christ. You know, obstacles are there on the way. Deterrents are there on the way. Looking at some people that have gone ahead, you might discourage you. Discouragements are on the way. But set your mind on the price. Take your eyes of people that are discouraging you. Take your eyes of people that are letting you down. Take your eyes of people that have promised you the moon but have not moved their hand to help you. I want you to know, if I have lived till today, God has been gracious and constantly reminded me, set my eyes on the Lord. Set my mind on the things about. The moment you take your eyes off the Lord, Satan comes to deceive you. In the moment Eve and Adam took their eyes off the Lord, they begin to give their ear to Satan who was deceiving them. And they lost so much, uh, so much of their lives because of that. Set your mind as a, on the prize as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Philippians 3.14 says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. God is calling you heavenward. Set your mind on that goal. First Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that all are running the race, but only one gets the price? Run in such a way that you get the price. God's calling you, brothers and sisters, get the price. So that when you go to heaven, not only will you have a price, there's going to be a crown. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. The Bible talks about a powerful crown. First Peter 5.4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Jesus Christ is coming back. If you have the mind of Christ, his reward is going to be on your mind. Everything you do, you're going to live for it. Revelation 3.11 says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that nobody will take your crown. People of God, have the mind of Christ. Think the thoughts of Christ. Live the life of Christ. Walk the walk of Christ. Pay the price that Christ wants you to pay. Deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow him. Set your minds on things about. Be heavenly minded. Then you will see things in the heavenlies. You will live for the heavenlies. You will walk with the heavenlies. So where do we really begin? We begin firstly by setting our mind. Since then if you've been raised uh, you know, set your mind on things about the Bible says. Every day you've got to make a decision to walk away from sin. Turn away from that thing that is tempting you. Walk away from that lust that is getting a hold of you. Impurity. Stop lying to one another. Stop stealing. Stop being lazy. Stop being, you know, people that are misrepresenting Jesus Christ. And set your heart on forgiveness, tenderness, kindness. Set your heart on fruitfulness. That every day you can be fruitful for what God has called you to be. So if God wants you to really become a fruitful Christian and set your mind, you have to begin by desiring. You need to desire to have a clear mind. You, when you desire, Father, I really want to have my mind set on you. And then you pray a prayer. Tell the Lord, Lord, I really want to have my mind set on you. You will see God's strength coming upon you. When you pray, he's near to the ones that call on him. He will be near to you when you call on him. Watch your input. Whatever you put inside your heart will begin to run your life. What, what you, watch what you're listening to. Watch who your friends are. Watch who, what you're reading, what you're watching. So that it will not take a hold of your life. And when you have prayed and you make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Saying, Lord, I really want to set my mind on the things of heaven. You make a commitment, Jesus, from today onwards. You know, there are times... I have made those commitments. I've made those decisions. There were times my friends, you know, they'd be, some of them would be ungodly. 
I had to make a choice to walk away from them. When I made a choice to walk away from them, people made fun of me. They mocked me. They said, oh, holy Joe is going to go after this God that he loves. But at some point I had to make that decision because it was a matter of my eternity. You make that decision. Set your mind on things about. Make that step in that right direction. Desire, make that decision. Expose yourself to the mind of God. And one right decision will lead to another. When you walk with people, that walk with God. You will see it's going to be powerful. So it begins by setting your mind on things above. So if you really want to finish this race, by setting your mind on things above, I want to leave you with just a few thoughts in closing. How do you live a life with a mind that is set on things above? Firstly, if you really want to have the mind of Christ, a heavenly mindset, you need to first remember the position that God has seated you in. Colossians 3.1 says, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God the Father. There is a resurrected position. A position God has placed you and me because of Jesus Christ. He has given us that place in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Don't look down upon yourself. But look up to the Lord. Set your mind on where Christ has seated you. This is what the Bible reminds you in Colossians 3. Since you set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God, look up to Jesus Christ. This resurrection position will begin to help you with the resurrection thinking. Will help you to know you are a child of God. Do not look down on yourself. If, if you fall in sin, you will get up from there. And your resurrected position will remind you of your resurrected identity. Will remind you of your resurrected power, the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. That you can now renew your mind in the power of the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way. We will understand our heavenly position. Second Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors of Christ. I want you to never forget your resurrected position that you are an ambassador of God. Secondly, if you really want to walk with the mindset of God, God wants you to have a constant reminder, a memory of what Christ has done for you. Your crucified position. Your crucified position. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul said. He said, I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me. Colossians 2 and verse 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. So firstly, you need to remember your resurrected position. Secondly, you need to remember your crucified position. That God has, you have, you have been crucified with Christ. When Jesus went on the cross and you received Jesus Christ, you have taken that position that you're no longer going to live for yourself. You're going to live for the things of Christ. Which means you're dead to sin. Romans chapter 6 was 1 onwards, especially verse 5 to 7. The Bible says we have been united with him in his death. And we are certainly reunited with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Remember your crucified position. A believer has died to his old world, his old life. He's died to his old self and he wants to live for Jesus Christ. If anyone wants to follow Jesus, he must deny himself. He must take up the cross and he must follow him, Jesus Christ. A believer has died to firstly himself. He's no longer going to live for himself. So it's not his plans. And I told the Lord one day, Lord, not my will. 
Your will be done. Not my way. Your way be done. And I said, I want to live for you. A believer is going to die to his selfish self-desires. A believer is going to die secondly to the world. He's going to say no to the world. The world will offer him a lot of things, wealth and glory and power and, and lusts and, and all kinds of things. And a believer will say no. He will say no to the world. He, because he is not only saying no to the world, he's dead to the world. He's crucified to the world. Uh, your resurrected position reminds you where you can start. And your crucified position reminds you where your old man ended. That's where it's supposed to be. That's where it's supposed to be on the cross. Because a believer died to the world. He died to himself. And a believer is dying to the power of the devil. Satan has nothing in me, Jesus said. In the same way you and I can walk in such a way. What a time will come, you will say, Satan has nothing in me. Hallelujah. The glory of God will be upon your life. Thirdly, when you are living with a mindset of heaven, this heavenly mindset will challenge you to be discipled. To walk a life of discipline, it begins by applying the will of God. How do I get discipline? Begin by saying first steps. What is the first thing I must do to have the mind of Christ? Every small act of obedience you do takes you to a greater level of victory. If you're a believer, you are beginning to walk in that life of victory. Walk in a life of discipline. Hebrews reminds us to walk in that life of discipline. Fourthly, a heavenly mindset is developed by a focus on a life that is hidden in Christ. Lord, you know, Colossians 2, 3 says, For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. Which means it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me in me. I'm living for Jesus Christ. And this heavenly mindset is, for, is also developed when we set our mind on the future one day we're going to be with Jesus Christ. When we are going to be with him, our lives will never be the same again. So if you're in wrapping this up together, let me just remind you together here today. How do you stay unwavered to a mindset on Christ? If you have disciple yourself, firstly, it begins with the Lordship of Christ. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Let Jesus Christ be your Lord. Then you offer your mind. Secondly, you offer your mind. Offer your mind. Say, Lord, here's my mind. And I want your mind. You offer your mind. Thirdly, you renew your mind. Where you're saying, as I'm offering my mind, I am now receiving your mind. How do I do that? I do that by training my mind to now begin to think with the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you train your mind to obey God. Where you're saying, you, I'm going to mold the way my body lives. I'm going to mold the way my mind thinks. I know my mind wants to think doubt, but I'm going to reject doubt. I'm going to think faith. I know how I need to mold where I need to live my life. You make that choice. And the Bible says that anybody who goes into a, an Olympics or, or any kind of race to win, he goes into strict training. People of God, if you want to have a renewed mind, well, get into that kind of training. Discipline yourself. You will never be the same anymore because mature people discipline themselves. Thirdly, if you want to go unwavering, stay on the word of God. Set your mind on the word of God. Meditate on the word. All scripture is God bread is good for reproof, teaching for all of that. Stay on the word of God. Fourthly, if you want to, you know, continue in this heavenly mind, unwavering in this heavenly mind, reject everything that's not from God. Anything that comes your way and you see it's not from God, you had to tell yourself, no way. No, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to speak that. I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to go that road because this is not from God. Learn to say no. And you will see your life becoming more and more powerful. And when you feel weak, I want you to know if you want to stay unwavering. Fifthly, have a life of prayer. When you begin to pray, whatever things you take to the Lord, take everything to the Lord in prayer. And the Spirit of God will fill you. The power of God will come upon you. Pray continually, the Bible says. There's going to be an anointing on your life to pray. You will be in, in such a, in a powerful place of prayer. Then you get into a lifestyle of fellowship. Stay with people that are walking with God. When you walk with those who are walking a life of victory, you will be unwavered. Look for people who are people you want to spend your life with in a place of fellowship. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Word of God, prayer, fellowship. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will remind you. Every time you want to backslide, He will remind you. Don't go back. Walk only a few more days, few more years, few more months, and we're going to go home to be with the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit, and your mind will be that of God. And this believer, when you begin to do all of this, you begin to set your mind on a second coming. Jesus is coming soon. Understand the second coming of Jesus. In these last few weeks, we've been hearing about his second coming. Understand the second coming, and you will know that that is the truth. He's coming soon. And if he's coming soon, then we want to spend the rest of our life for Jesus Christ. The Bible says even when we break bread, that every time we break bread, we're reminding ourselves of his coming. And I want you to know there's power. When you break bread, it's a communion. The Holy Spirit fills you. And there's a covenant renewal that happens at breaking of bread. It's not a ceremony. It is a renewal of the covenant. And you do that and you do it until his coming. Renew the covenant until his coming. And so that you know when he comes, he will have no trouble identifying you. Because you will have the mind of Christ. God bless you and have a wonderful spirit-filled week walking with the mind of Christ. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.